This episode of the Shooting Brooks podcast is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Do you want to make some quick cash on sports betting but don't really know how? Well, come hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in a specific sport. For instance, if you're interested in the NFL on Thrive Fantasy, you choose 10 out of the 20 player propositions to build your lineup. NFL not your thing? Not a problem. For the NBA, MLB, PGA, or eSports, you choose 5 out of 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to happen. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. If you're into the PGA, Thrive has new contests for each day of tournaments, so don't sweat it if your golfers ruin your weekend by not making the cut. Since launching in 2018, Thrive has awarded over $1.3 million in prizes. Ready to play? You can download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website www.thrivefantasy.com. Don't forget to use our promo code SBPOD when you sign up today to receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. Welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. This marks almost a dozen podcasts, I guess. 11, 12. Do you guys remember what it is? Uh, 10. 11. Wait. Yeah, okay. But it says, oh, okay. It, what, whatever. <laughs> Which means we're doing a good enough job to keep this going. And that's great for us because we can keep doing this. And personally, I love this. You know, I'm pretty sure everyone else does, but as always, I'm Jerry Castillo, and I'm joined by... Uh, I'm Daniel Wynn, and uh, I kind of wish that uh, this was our full-time job, but it isn't, but we keep rolling. And uh, with us... Oh, man. It's going to be an interesting episode, I can tell already. It's your boy, Really Real, Jarrell Sells. And, you know, I, I hate to do this, but we kind of have to start off the episode with more somber news um there was a massive explosion in beirut lebanon uh, at least 100 people are dead and over 4,000 people are injured the blast centered around the port area of beirut no word yet on if it was just an industrial fire or if it was a terrorist attack a lot of people are saying primarily the lebanese defense ministry they're saying that it was just a fire that got out of hand there was just some ammonium nitrate which is typically used in fertilizer. There was a fire there and over 2,700 tons of that substance just caught on fire and exploded. And it's such a, it's such a devastating thing because I'm sure you've guys all seen the videos of it. And it's just one of those things that you can't really encompass or think about until you see those images. The, it, I've seen some of the footage, and um, it's uh, it's very graphic. And by the way, the the number the last I checked is now up to at least one hundred thirty five are injured. Um, but yes, uh, it's 
it was it was crazy to see some of the footage. It was like you, you couldn't believe what you were seeing. Um, I saw a fo- like a you know some footage where like a lady or you know who, who was literally taking photos for 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 her wedding. I mean, and and the while the blast was going on, and you can see like it co- it goes from a happy situation to something very dire, very quick. Um, it's beginning to look like that this was a pure accident, and uh, judging from how the explosion looked like, uh, there was probably some irresponsibility at that port going on. So, but either way, it's a tragedy. Um, it's a tragedy that should not have happened, and I think this, you know, the ammonium nitrate that was stored was probably rec- recklessly handled. So, uh, tragic situation overall. Just want to echo what Daniel was saying, and it just prayers up to them because it, it's really tragic to think about. And it, it's honestly, it sucks to see the video footage, but at least we're more aware and know that there's something going on on the other side of the world that put a lot of damage on the port to the people. And like I said, just prayers up to those that have lost their lives and those that have been affected by it. Uh, yeah. And, um, just to kind of inform everyone, all of it, um, the officials that uh, several officials at that Beirut port have now put on have now been put under house arrest, and you know obviously there's an investigation pending. Yeah, and with all that being said, you can donate to organizations like the Red Cross or Save the Children for for them because they are in this very tough situation, and you can even Google up how to donate to to Lebanon, to Beirut, and tons of organizations are there for you to check out. So as long as you do your part, we're certainly doing our part here. This situation could be amended. It's going to take time, but together we can fix this. But yeah, it's just a horrible situation all around. But with that being said, switching on to a little bit more lighter news, which is why the NBA is back. You guys had some thoughts about the Lakers, and the Lakers are now the best team in the West. The last time they did this was in 2010 when they won the championship. And personally, I think this might be, you know, as much as I hate to say it, this might be the Lakers' year, although you guys pointed out some inconsistencies, right? Well, I want to start off this conversation. Uh, I I have a message for Mr. Danny Green. Wake the f*** up. Like, we, we signed that guy for a reason to hit uh, shots from downtown, and we're going to have to hit some shots from downtown if we're gonna if the Lakers are going to, uh, you know, go all the way. So our three-pointing has been atrocious so far. Um, I, be- I believe tonight, uh, as this game is going on, our three-point shooting is atrocious once again. It is not even – it has not even touched 30% the last time I checked. I could be wrong. Uh, things do get – sometimes de- uh, things go uh, project better as the game goes on, but – Another poor night of three-point shooting. Also, um, maybe it's me, but uh, our defense has not been exactly on par. Uh, you know, watching the games with you know uh, a relative of mine, um, there you know shifts are being missed, and you know teams are getting easy buckets on us. And you know sometimes we're not we're, we're not getting the rebounds we should be getting. Oh, nah. deep sigh. Yeah, that's a deep sigh. To to piggyback off of that, I don't only put the blame on Danny Green and our defense. There's inconsistency on the offensive end as well. I'm a Lakers fan. 
I love the Lakers, and I was very optimistic this season as far as us doing damage in the playoffs. But watching them play ever since they've been in Orlando, I'm highly disappointed. I don't care if we won two out of the three or four games that we've been playing, whatever the case may be. I don't like our play. It's it's evident that we're it's seeing, reckless. It's reckless. It's Total. it's evident that we're missing. Avery Bradley, Rajon Rondo, we're missing a true point guard. I know LeBron plays that point, but we're missing that point guard. And Rondo is the best at it in this bubble. Alex Caruso isn't our true point guard. I'm sorry to tell you. I know we had high hopes on him, but nobody nobody in my eyes has, has stepped up. Quinn Cook doesn't get consistent minutes, and he's not a true point guard to me either. He's a shooter. Like Daniel said, not only Dan, Danny Green, but the whole entire team hasn't been shooting consistently. Now, they pointed out today during the game, uh, I think in the second quarter, that Kyle Kuzma was shooting, what, like uh, 10 for 18 from three. Yet, I still feel inconsistency coming from him as well. We still hold high hopes on him to be that X factor. Now, the biggest thing that I want to point out before we even get into anything else is, I don't know if, if you watch the Lakers game, Lakers games, there's like vital moments within the game where there's just complete stagnant offense and nothing is happening. Now, I feel as if our coaching isn't doing the best because you know that we don't have those shot creating playmakers on our teams. You know that. I know you. we have these big, big, uh, big high hopes. I'm going to keep using that high hopes for Deion Waiters. I understand he could, he could get a bucket, but it's not, it's not filling that void and it, it becomes stagnant. And that's where we fuck up because we don't have an offensive play that you can run to get somebody to get an open bucket. And if, and if, and even if we do have that play, where do we end off with the ball with Anthony Davis, LeBron James? We're I, I don't trust anybody on our on our team to to make a shot, and that's the key thing right there. That coaching aspect, that something that you can fall back on when we can't lean on our two superstars, and that's what's going to make us a championship team. And I honestly don't think that we have that. I agreed with what you said. We're clearly missing some players, and yeah, we're clearly missing some point guards. We're clearly missing Rajon Rondo, and we're clearly missing Avery Bradley. And also, at the end of the day, we cannot depend on Anthony Davis to be a step-back three-point shooter, okay? I mean, Anthony Davis, yeah, he can hit a three every once in a while, but that is, that's not the strong point of his game. We need him inside, inside pressuring pressuring the post, getting easy buckets right there. We, we, we cannot have him shooting threes every time. We cannot depend him on that. I, I, just, I was going to say I agree. I can make another point after you. Go ahead. Yeah, the one thing that I see with the Lakers and – I think this is pretty evident with every team thus far is that there's just, you guys are looking for that extra person, right? And because of how this restart is, not every team has that extra person. Just look at the Clippers. Who's going to perform for them after PG and Kawhi? In terms of this, right? Because look at how the Spurs are doing. I said last week that they were going to make the playoffs and currently they are you know, they are a full game out of the ninth spot to play the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies themselves haven't been playing well. They've lost four straight. But it's just one of those things, right? Like one injury to any team, God forbid, that makes it so much easier to beat them. Because the Spurs, they're they're having DeMar DeRozan play the four with Rudy Gay sometimes playing the five. They got four four out, one in, basically. It's working for them so far. They're two and two, but still, I mean, they're, every team has to do these different shifts. They have to do these different coaching strategies, and I think the Lakers just have to figure that out. They have four more games before the playoffs start. 
or before everything else starts. So I think they can figure it out. Someone on the perimeter, if we're going to win, if the Lakers are going to win this thing, someone on the perimeter is going to have to step up, like we kind of been saying right here. But the problem is no one has been stepping up as of right now. And we only got a, like a limited set of time. So like the Lakers have got in the coach staff got to figure this out fast. Or we're gonna get, or we're gonna get, or the Lakers are gonna get like beat by the Clippers in six. I'm honestly not putting all my eggs in one person stepping up. I, I'm my point is the team aspect of it. I understand that the Spurs are doing something completely different and shifting, but I, I, I'm okay with Greg Popovich running his system because it works. It gives people the ball. Other people score. It's not dependent solely on one person, and thus this is why it's being successful within these games. Now, it's not. I don't think that's going to transfer over in the playoffs because that's a whole different breed. But as far as the Lakers go, what I'm stating is we need that team effort. We need a system to follow, by, to guide, go by. If we look back in the regular season before all of this happened, you would, first play of the game, remember that lob that we will throw to JaVale McGee? Stuff like that. I don't see that. I see, I see us trying to run stuff, but it's not effective, and that's what I think we need. We 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 have players on our teams that can't create their own shot. No one on our team can create their own shot aside from Anthony Davis. LeBron James could get to the hole. Yes, he can shoot that fadeaway jumper, but I'm not even going to talk about him. Aside from those two getting their points, I don't see anybody doing it consistently where they can do it three to four times, four out of five times, get a bucket or get the make the smart play and have someone else score and that's why we need a system that allows those players to get those buckets and not have to rely on them to do so because I see LeBron James in this past game that I watched with disappointment attack the basket throw that ball to the corner three and motherfuckers are missing that shot left and right what the that's not working Nobody's hitting corner threes. So what the fuck are you going to do? You're going to keep on shooting? We're not the fucking Rockets. Not going to have this happen in the playoffs where the Rockets shoot 53s a game. We're not them. We're not seven seconds or less. We are played defense. Let's get into tra- transition and score. Okay, let's run our offense through AD and LeBron. Now we need that other aspect. So I agree with you with that, Jared. We're having the other aspect of kind of changing the system. But I'm putting the pressure on the coaching staff. We have all these amazing coaches. Uh, they we, we praise them. Show, show, show me what you got. Because leaning on LeBron to lead us to victory, he needs more help. We don't have Kyle Corvers on our on our team right now. I mean, I, I think as a team, I mean, we we obviously LeBron and AD cannot stand on their own, and I think the whole collective unit has got to rally around these two if LeBron James is to is to win his fourth championship. It's By the simple way, as that. Just lost. Yep. To the Thunder. We, 105 to 86. We should not be losing to the Thunder. We should not. To give credit to the Thunder, Billy Donovan and Mike Budenholzer were actually voted the 2020 NBA CA, that's the NBA Coaches Association, co-coaches of the year per the NBA. So, you know, even though, you like you said, they shouldn't be losing to the Thunder, the Thunder have been pretty good this year. I mean, better than anyone would have thought. So... You know, I personally would have chosen maybe someone else other than Billy Donovan. Honestly, maybe, you know, Frank Vogel because he led the, the Lakers to the one seed, even though you guys are pointing out some very valid things. But, you know, hats off to those two for winning the NBA Co-Coaches of the Year. I mean, if we keep playing the way we've been playing, we're going to get crushed, Houston. 
uh, by the Rockets the other night when we when we play them next. Okay, I mean, it, there's no way around it. With regards to that, and G, you mentioned true point guards. I just wanted to bring up Luka Doncic for a second because what he's doing is really outstanding. He got a historic triple double the other the other night with 24, 34 points. Excuse me, twenty rebounds, twelve assists. Basically, he's the youngest player ever to get. A, a stat line like that. So you guys think that this is sustainable? I mean, with the way Luca has been playing, he's been playing phenomenal. This is why I put Dallas up there to be like the next, potentially the next great NBA dynasty. Like they got a player named Luka Doncic and they got a good, good solid big man in Chris Porzingis. I think they need one more all-star and I think they're, they're going to go, they can win, they can win at least three rings if, if, if everyone keeps playing well. But other than that, Luca has been, Luca is is a you know he's one of the future faces of the league. We we talk about once in a generation players, and I feel like Luka Doncic is one of those players. He's shown this since his rookie year. He didn't play as a rookie. He he played like a veteran his rookie year, and this is another reason why you would consider him to be um, in the running for most improved player because the amount of success and the amount of pressure that is put on this young man in his second season where he's leading his team to the tough Western conference and is that go-to player in the clutch and affects the game in so many different aspects. Usually when we're looking at one year, two year players, they're really good at one solid thing, right? Let's think of Trey Young. Trey Young offensively is a, is a monster. He can score. He can give you, he can uh, play make yada yada. Um, it's not equating to victories, but that's the one good thing he does. We look at Luka Doncic. He's scoring. He's playmaking efficiently. He's leading his team to victory. He's rebounding. And I understand Luka Doncic is about six, seven inches taller than Trey Young, but it's just that overall monstrous effect that he has on his team. So I think he could keep this up. We're, we're seeing a lot of players coming into the league now that are are doing all of these crazy things and, and averaging triple doubles and whatnot like it's nothing. And he's he, he has the formula. He has the IQ, um, and his team believes in him. And I, I agree with you, Daniel. I feel like Luka and KP, Kristaps uh, Porzingis, if he stays healthy, this can be a dynasty for the long run. I don't necessarily believe that they need that third all-star. They just need to continue to build the system and, and get players that um, complement those two well. So I think like if we get not necessarily Patrick Beverly, but at that one position, somebody that can lock down on defense so Luka Doncic doesn't have to necessarily worry about locking up the opposing guard, somebody like that would will definitely benefit this Mavericks team. Those those defensive pillars. I think that's ultimately what they're really missing. And just timing. Wait for Luca to grow. He's only in his second season, second year. So he hasn't even reached his prime yet. You know, Jared, I kind of brought, brought this up on our previous podcast, you know, uh, with Taj. But um, I, I, I don't mean to sound crazy, but when Giannis becomes a free agent, I, if you ever – if there's ever a point that where Giannis wants to leave Milwaukee through free agency – I think Dallas is a spot where, like you know, Giannis could could you know land. Just just putting it out there. That's an interesting take, but that will be that would be fucking crazy, bro. <laughs> um, I, I can seriously say it. I can seriously say it. Giannis is, isn't into like, from what I've heard so far, what I've what I've seen, Giannis isn't into like big cities and you know you know marquee franchises as the other superstars have. He Giannis honestly just is asking for good ownership. And with and a good roster, Dallas has both. It's a good thing you bring up Milwaukee because they've been in a weird kind of 
situation. They've they're only one and three um, with the seeding games, and the Nets had a historic comeback against against Milwaukee. G, you brought up the whole three pointer situation a few minutes ago. Both teams combined to shoot one hundred and eight three pointers. One hundred and eight. Some teams don't even get that many points in an entire game, let alone jacking up shots like that. Like I said, the historic comeback, the Nets were missing nine of their best players, and I don't think anyone would have figured the Nets would win, but then again, Coach Bud decided to sit some of his best players out for the second half just so they can relax because judging by this, they've gotten, they have the first seed, they have it in hand, so... I can see what they were doing, but at the same time, it's a historic comeback nonetheless. You said 108 threes, right, Jared? Yeah, combined to shoot 108 three. I mean, that to me, I mean, by the way, great comeback by the Brooklyn Nets, but um, that kind of show com- comes to show you that how much the game has changed. I mean, Jarrell, like, r- remember when we were kids, right? I mean, the game was so much different, even in Kobe's day, man. Like, Andrew, I mean, you said I just, that like we was like 50 years old, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't that old yet, but go ahead, go ahead, continue. But you know, uh, Andrew Bynum would would totally have, today would totally have to re- like completely adjust his game today. Okay, is is just kind of show you like you know the three the game has become so three point centric now. So I mean the and you know the type of players you see are now completely different than they were ten years ago. Big man kind of have to shoot today. You're like ten years ago, like just improve your post game, just do well in the post, and you're good. But you know, but I digress. It's it, it's a radically different, but like basketball is radically different now. That's really absurd to hear. One hundred and eight three combined three pointers. It's ridiculous. On top of that, motherfuckers shooting threes like they can shoot threes. And <laughs> what I mean by that statement is you're jacking up threes, but you're not even hitting consistently. Not even shooting forty percent from 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 the line. You're just throwing them up. And I, I agree with you, Daniel. Like it, it's completely different and it begs the question like is this really basketball like we're going out there and we're looking at five similar players everybody wants to do the same shoot a three shoot a three shoot a three and then where 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 does the footwork come in where i gotta get past my defender why is everything have to be three even when we're thinking about um transition buckets where we got a a two two on one or three on two and everybody's leaking out to the three-point line instead of getting into the paint and i mean i guess you could argue the three is more effective and uh less chance of getting injured but I honestly don't think that's the best basketball to watch. Like, I get frustrated as a fan, especially just I'm going to relate it back to the Lakers because that's the team I watch the most, just just jacking up threes. And on top of that, you like, there's a saying, like, you're, 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 you are assumed crazy if you do the same th- thing three times in a row with the same results, right? So why the f*** is people shooting all of these threes and missing it? Chase, switch it up. Like, I... And that's what's going to make the best players better because they're able to do other stuff. I agree with you. And to that end, I kind of want to butt in here and say that before you guys pin it all on the Warriors, which is pretty wrong, just pointing oh, that out, on, not being biased, not being biased, because come think on. about it this way. The Warriors, the way they play the game is pace and space, right? But they have shooters that are mid 40%, right? They know how to play the game, and they know how to look for these passing lanes. They know how to drive and kick. They know how to do these dribble moves to get free so that Curry can drive in, suck the defense in, get, you know, clay the ball, 
or he could swing it out for another pass and then that person will drive it and then Curry will be out on the three-point line and then there will be ball movement right there, right? My, my counter argument to that is this is what we've seen the Rockets do. This is all uh, I'm assuming because of what the Rockets have done. The Rockets have done this thing where they turned the Warriors system, combined it with the seven seconds or less, and then started jacking up sh- They don't care about what the percentages are. They don't care about how effective it is. All they care about is getting as quick shots as possible. Look at how Mike D'Antoni ran those Phoenix Suns teams way back in the day. One pass, shoot. One pass, shoot. Doesn't matter who it is. One pass, shoot. That's the same concept with, with the Rockets. And I would say it was effective in 2018 when they won 67 games. That said, it's just not been the same. And now every team wants to be like the Rockets instead of the Warriors because the Warriors instilled fundamentals within their players. Footwork, good screens, good passing, good cuts. The Rockets get the ball, get to the three-point line, jack it up. It doesn't matter what your percentage is, just jack it up because threes are worth more than twos. So I would say if you guys don't like this brand of basketball, you guys can blame it on the Rockets. So well, you can find me on that. the Warriors kind of start it all? It was the three, it's a three-point, it's called... The war. This generation of Warriors players are, are called the three point gener- the three point revolution for a reason. Right, but you Houston have to was influenced by Golden State. Right, Mike but you have to took it to another level because what Steve Kerr and those boys were doing. But you have to take into account that he did it wrong, because if you I look mean, at how the I've sure. watched the I've watched the the Warriors play and I've seen how the Rockets play. They've played together. They've played against each other in the playoffs. 27 straight three-point misses. They're just jacking up shots at that point. If you look at the Warriors and how they play, yeah, they'll do the same basic concepts. But the thing is, they have players that can actually hit. Curry is a 44% three-point shooter. Clay is a 40% three-point shooter, right? So those two players are infinitely better at shooting threes, and they are the ones that get most of the transition threes or the threes out of passes, mismatches, whatever have you, than the Rockets. So I don't... You can put the blame on the Warriors, but at the same time, you also have to put blame on the Rockets for taking what Steve Kerr did and monumentally messing it up to just have three-point shots galore, regardless of how bad you you actually shoot it. I understand what you're saying. And the, the the point that I'm going to make is... I wasn't thinking about the Warriors when it came to this. Like, okay, I understand that they they made the blueprint for emphasizing three-point shooting because this is was one of their strengths. But I, I wouldn't say, okay, I agree with your statement. I wouldn't blame the Warriors. But I will say that they are the start of the change of the NBA. They have one of the best three-point shooters yes. on their team. They have one of the best three-point backcourts on their team. Now, I'm agreeing with your statement. The Warriors had a system, that keyword system, where they scored on all three levels. They didn't just focus on three-point shooting. They shot more threes, but they made more threes than the rest of the league. I feel like the league nowadays, like you said, shoot more threes and miss more threes. Like the Rockets, which they have tried to replicate this system, don't really shoot in between they shoot in the paint for layups or they shoot threes what they're missing is that keyword system like you said i agree with you 
They don't you they, I don't see a lot of screens. I don't see a lot of coming off of screens. I see James Harden holding the ball, doing his thing, jacking up a three, last minute kicking it out to Ben McLemore to shoot a three. Or Russell Westbrook driving to the paint and kicking it out for a three. And that's it. Drive and kick, drive and kick. There's no complexity to this offense. There's no trickery to this offense. That's all it is. If if the Warriors did if the Warriors were the fundamental team, the, the team that laid down the foundation, who else could you put the blame on? Exactly. They they were the ones that spurned bad copycats. If when we're going to say that. When you, when, you, when, you, when you start a trend, you're going to have copycats to follow. And a lot of those times, those copycats are not going to be as good as the ones who started it. So, in a way, that's why I'm saying this is all kind of all on Golden State. They they did the blueprint, but but in the in in consequence, you got teams like Houston that will spurn bad copycats, and that's what Houston did. In and a way, if I, go ahead, Drell. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not calling out the Warriors. I'm not pissed mad at the Warriors. They did their shit. It was that was their blueprint. That was what they did. That's what works for them. They made the best out of it. They get players in there that can fit in with that system. There's nothing wrong with what the Warriors did. They made sure that they got their championships. They made sure that they put themselves in a position to ball out and be the one of the best teams for a consecutive five, five, six years. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> True. That's, I don't want to like what, what I'm saying is it's not a negative st- stigma in my opinion. I'm not for lack of better, better terms. We're blaming them, but not in a negative manner. You get what I'm saying? Like, I, I have no hate on the Warriors. If you didn't bring up blaming them, I wouldn't have said shit about the Warriors. So it's kind of like a a consequence, not necessarily a positive or negative negative consequence. It's just a consequence of them having the system. Yeah, I mean, like it's a negative in the fact that I don't like seeing teams jack up threes. I want uh, the teams that are effective at it doing that. Shit. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let me just pivot here because G, you mentioned two points. You mentioned success, and you mentioned blueprint. And with regards to success, I just want to announce that the NBA has tested. Well, actually, no NBA player has tested positive out of 343 tests, so that's good. And shows that the bubble's working, <clears throat> MLB, and... Uh, Major League Baseball. And Woj actually reported that the NBA is adjusting its COVID-19 protocol to allow for players to return to action quicker. If an asymptomatic player tests negative, he can play as long as another negative test is returned within 60 minutes before the game starts, so... That's pretty cool. Good job on the NBA for getting their shit together and being on top of things. So good job. And the second point is a blueprint. And the NBA announced on Wednesday, which is today, that it would donate $300 million over 10 years to help found the NBA Foundation, which is dedicated to creating greater economic empowerment in the black community. And also, this is a quote from the press release The goal is to increase access and support for high school, college-aged, and career-ready black men and women and assist national organizations that provide skills training, mentorship, coaching, and pipeline development in the NBA markets and communities across the U.S. and Canada. So, good stuff right there. I cannot speak for the African-American community, but I do know that they've had a rough history. And, you know, know, when you discuss American history in general— and you know when the NBA does it, it's always a good thing. And um, all I, you know, all I want is a is an equal world. And the NBA is doing its job to try to get us to that location. I think this is an amazing 
thing that is going on, uh, especially for these high school students, because that's where a lot of things can change. A lot of uh, kids, I'm still going to call them kids, they're 13, 14 years old, they're capping out at 18 and they're graduating. And this is a vital time, I know, because they're understanding more of their identity. This is where they're learning about themselves. And to have that mentorship, to have that support, high school students need that support. So to receive it from the NBA, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of NBA players are role models or high school students look up to NBA players as role models. So to, to see that this organization and their role models are offering that support and help for the betterment of their future. It's amazing. This is all, this is all we can ask for. And and I want to hear more about this and I want to see it grow and continue, continue to flourish. We've seen hints of this with LeBron James and his, I promise school. And that's where the impact is going to be at. Cause this is our future. This is our change to break the cycle. Um, and those are the vital moments, high school and college where a big identity shift and growth occurs. So applaud for that. And I'm happy to hear this. As a black man. Absolutely, because these are the things that make the NBA stand out compared to MLB, NHL, or the NFL, because some of these leagues are afraid to speak out about these topics that are affecting a large portion of the United States. And now the NBA is saying, you know what? You guys are afraid to do it, so we'll do it. You know, we'll be the first we'll be the first step so that you guys can we were talking about copy copycats and blueprints, you guys can take our blueprint and do it yourself. It's a it's a great thing, and like you said, I hope we see more of it. Speaking of which, G, you want to be the moderator for this one? Because Daniel and I, outside of the the podcast, we've been, we've been discussing the American star that is known as Christian Pulisic. And for me personally, I feel that he is the best American male soccer player in the history of... United States, but Daniel disagrees. So look, I'm not trying to disagree. He is, he is, but he's not the star U.S. soccer necessarily needs. You, what I was, what I'm trying to say is, U.S. soccer needs a Jordan-like figure, a Magic-like figure. I'm talking about someone that's marketable. You know, that can sell his own shoes. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Christian Pulisic is a great player, but I I'm not even sure if he's the most marketable marketable guy out there. Okay, like to for soccer to make it to to make it in this country, you need that superstar that can just you know that can get everyone to follow to gravitate toward your TV set, you know, to sell shoes, to sell merchandise. And I don't know if Christian Pulisic can do that. I think Christian Pulisic is a great player, but you know, he's not he's not a player where like everyone can sit down and say, oh, this guy was the was one of the ten greatest players to ever touch a soccer ball. I don't think he's going to be that. I think he's just going to be really good. And, you know, we need a soccer as a sport needs a sport, needs an athlete, like a Magic Johnson type figure, a, you know, a Ronaldinho, a Messi, someone like, how do I put this? Soccer needs that American Jesus, that American God, American Messiah. So that's what I'm trying to say here, Jared. I'm not trying to knock Christian Pulisic. He's he's not he's not Larry Bird. He's not Magic Johnson. That's that was what that's the point I'm trying to like get across. I just want to rebuttal if you don't mind. So you say he he needs at least the United States needs a Ronaldinho or a Messi type figure, right? Yes, well, a superstar that you can like everyone, even if they don't follow soccer. Oh, 
Yeah, that guy. Yeah, I know him. So, okay, I'm just going to read off a bunch of his his accolades. He's only 21, mind you. Yes. And I want to read out some of his accolades. I got all of these from Yahoo Sports and Sports Illustrated. So he's the youngest American man to start and score in a World Cup qualifier, the youngest non-German to score in the Bundesliga, the youngest U.S. player to appear and score in a UEFA Champions League, and the youngest to win a significant European trophy. At 18, he drew the foul that led to the winning penalty in Borussia Dortmund's defeat of Frankfurt in their final. When he was 20 years old, he transferred from Dortmund to Chelsea for $73 million, the most for an American player. In 90 Bundesliga games, he scored 13 goals and had 18 assists. Okay. Furthermore, he's the third U.S. national team player to win the domestic cup tournament in one of Europe's big five nations. The others are midfielders Thomas Dooley and goalkeeper Tim Howard. He's also the first U.S.-born and developed field player to do it. That's from Sports Illustrated. Additionally, Pulisic has four goals and five assists in eight Premier League games since June 21st. He scored or created a goal in every 63 minutes he's been on the field since the project, you know, since the project restart began. So that's a really big thing. Which are great, all great accomplishments, by the way. Hang on. They're great accomplishments, right? Also, he scores or gets an assist per 103 minutes. That's a better rate of production than Leicester's, Jamie Vardy, Southampton's Danny Ings, or any other player in the Premier League. He has three goals, including a knockout stage game winner and five assists in 26 career Champions League matches. And his 14 goals in 34 games at the international level gives him a better strike ratio for the U.S. than Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan, or Josie Altador. That's from Yahoo Sports. If this dude isn't in the making of a superstar, I don't know what is a superstar in your eyes. Because this dude has all the accolades. He has, he's 21 years old. He's doing all these things. I don't see how he's not a superstar that's marketable. Because if he has, again, he has all the accolades. If he's not marketable, that's on the United States. That's not on him. Uh, I, I mean, he's a good player. <laughs> He's, he's a good a, player. He's a good oh player. Oh my lord! Can I can I ask a question? Go um, ahead. All right, I'm gonna build it up. So I know you keep comparing him to Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Michael Jordan. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. U.S. soccer needs that type of figure. Okay. Is but he not this guy? Those three players that you've named, and I'm not a I'm not a huge I'm not a soccer fan, but those three basketball players that you named have done. I would say Larry Bird and Magic Johnson for sure have done amazing. Yeah, Michael Jordan too have done amazing things within their first couple of years of professional, professionally playing in their sport, right? And as they as they continue to grow, they became legends, right? Now you're telling me this guy Christian P has all of these accolades as a 21 year old, and you're not saying that he doesn't have that build to be that superstar. Uh, your your quote, not mine. Jesus caliber player. I have to agree with Jared. Soccer, MLS soccer in the United States, I don't feel is as heavily supported in other countries. Am I am I wrong? Yeah, and it's growing. It, it, there there are signs. There's signs. so that's that's so, why you can't necessarily say that. Like, ah, go ahead, Jared. Yeah, just a, a quick thing. The people that do watch MLS, and there's a t- there's tons of them, whenever they see MLS players and then they compare them to European players, like 
there's just no comparison. Christian Pulisic skipped the MLS and went straight to the German leagues and then went to the English Premier League, which are two of the highest, most difficult leagues in the world. He skipped MLS. So that just goes to show how good of a player he is. He's playing with some of the best players in the world, like Ronaldo's or something like that, right? He's playing against those lo- those caliber players, and he's doing it at 21, and he's racking up goals and assists, and he has a $73 million transfer rate, which is the most ever at age 20. That's insane. No, I just see I just see the point that is being made here. He has the accolades, and I just question, like, how can you say that he doesn't have that marketability when where he's from doesn't really promote it as much. You know what I'm saying? Like after, after you only named the Island, I'm only familiar with one person you named and that's Landon Donovan. <laughs> and all the re- did he not, did he play for the LA galaxy? Landon Donovan? Yes, he did. That's I mean, the only he, reason why. He's Christian Pulisic will be much better than Landon Donovan because at his age, Landon Donovan couldn't even get on a European squad. Okay, so that's that's proving the point, no? Yeah, he is this Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird figure that you're talking about. It's just up to the United States to actually make it work. So he is a superstar. He is everything that I claimed he would be. I just feel like there's a better player coming down the line. Oh my there's God, always going to be a better player or somebody that's amazing or great. Would you have said this if he didn't go overseas and, and went into the MLS and dominated there? If he if he had a shoe deal, would you say it? Like, is that what's making him a great or not? A shoe deal? Like I said before, U.S. soccer, it, I don't know who it's going to be. Maybe it is Pulisic. But there, there needs to be that to, to, you know, to fully make it in America, you need a star. And we, I mean. Is he not a star? That's a yes or no question. I, I'm, I'm. I'm completely. Gonna, I'm gonna say no. Uh, he's a good player, oh. but he's good. He's coming up there. There are signs, but I don't even. I don't even know if he's he's the star we need. The star like the U.S. The you know this the sport in the country like needs to get over that hump. So what in your mind dictates a star? Discounting the marketability stuff like that. This dude has all the accolades. He has everything that points him as the United States big star that can help grow the game. He needs in your eyes. This first this person needs to be undoubtedly in the conversation for best player in the world. Consistently year in and year out. Do you think that's possible from the United States? Absolutely. With the sort with the resources we have, yes. But there needs to be fixes in the in the fundamentals of how we develop talent in this country. Which means getting rid of pay to play. And so, and and beginning to you know go, do outreach to uh you know to to more working class communities this you know soccer has kind of ignored. Um, I'll, I'll be real with you here. Soccer in America, in some ways, is considered to be a rich white man's game, which to me is completely stupid because it's a sport that you know requires the last the least gear. So we should be making more inroads with with more working class communities. We should and. And their involvement in our sport makes our sport, at the end of the day, richer. Right, but I'm still we're still on Christian Pulisic here. You don't believe, even after everything he's done and everything he's the best he American player ever. But 
you know, I don't. I mean, I'm not even sure if he's going to be. Maybe if he's lucky, considered like a top ten player in the world. But I, 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 I feel like I'm confused because it's like it's back and forth. Just, just listen on the outside, listening in. Like, like you're giving him props, like saying he could be top ten in the world. That's superstar. I'm yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm being harsh. I'm being harsh, but like this, the sport. Amer- the sport in America needs a you know a like a top five star like on the level of a Ronaldinho, a Messi, or Jordan. Like like he's he's literally a religion. So you want a god to come out of the United States? Like the United order. States needs that needs to develop that that you know that alpha male, alpha male, but no one questions. No one's questioning him. He's a good player, but is he is he to the level that this country needs? I'm that I'm not so sure. My goodness, man. I'm sorry, but I that is just outlandish. That is I have been bamboozled by that. That is He's a good player. He's a good player. <laughs> I might have been, been bamboozled hoodwinked. This is just oh, oh dude. So with all that being said, I still think he's, Christian Pulisic is the best American player. He is a superstar. Yes, is. Regardless, of, regardless of what anyone else says, he is a superstar. He is the next whatever you want to say. He is just that good. But I guess to lighten up the mood a little bit, The Rock bought the XFL for $15 million. Uh, Vince McMahon put in $200 million. So that's a thing. <laughs> I know I know Vince McMahon upset, but I mean, good for The Rock, you know? Good for the Rock. Hopefully, that this league becomes something, uh, another second chance, per, uh, for lack of better terms. Um, third chance, actually. Third chance. Yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, I think it's a it's a risk worth taking by the Rock. Uh, I mean, it's just it's failed twice now. So, I mean, I'm I'm skeptical. But if anyone were to give it a third chance, I guess the Rock is a pretty good option. The the XFL yeah. the second time around was actually that was actually some, some decent that was some decent ass football. So um I think they, this would be better because I don't feel like the rock is going to be uh doing the day to day operations. Like I feel like Vincent Mann wanted more control of that. But I think the rock and whoever he's whatever company he's with that purchased it is hopefully fingers crossed they run it a little bit better where they don't have to go bankrupt again. Uh Oliver Luck uh reportedly, you know, I think he he sued Vince McMahon for like you know negligible like firing. Uh, that's what kind of happened. So yeah, that's kind of evident that, that Vince McMahon probably wanted more control than what he said on screen. Right, and just um, before we move on to the video game portion of the podcast, we just want to well, I just want to hit on a few quick hitters if you don't mind. So the Cardinals, my team, the St. Louis Cardinals, had a COVID outbreak after going to a casino allegedly but that's been proved false uh 13 players and staff tested positive and they're apparently allowed to play again against the chicago cubs on friday so 13 players and staff seven players and the rest are staff that they tested positive and according to mike Schilt, the manager the outbreak came from an outside source uh, an asymptomatic person brought the virus to the team so that sucks, and it just seems like no matter how many teams get corona, the 
league is still going to continue. So, yeah, hopefully everyone's safe. Hopefully everyone gets better. But that's a situation that everyone's keeping their eye on. We're talking a few... It's been a few weeks now. We've been talking about Marvel's Avengers. And you can finally play as Hawkeye and Spider-Man because they've been confirmed to be in the game. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I... Is this game going to be in the same universe as the Spider-Man um, Insomniac game? Do we have any? No. No? <laughs> Which is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, was, it's... I, I, mean I, I, I guess I'm happy. I'm just, I'm just kind of a little sad that it, they're not connected. But um, Hawkeye is a potentially cool character, and uh, Spider-Man is obviously a cool character when done right. So hopefully they can pull this off, and uh, if they're... If they, if they're well pulled off, I think it makes the game indefinitely better. I I would have wanted us to have characters that we aren't as familiar with that didn't have their own standalone game, hence uh, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, characters like that. If it's not going to be the Insomniac Spider Man, I don't I don't know. I've, I've been I've been following the page the. Uh, Avengers uh, video game page and I've been seeing like clips of the footage and I'm not I'm not looking forward to it like I'm gonna play it but it's I don't know man it, it doesn't it's not catching my attention anymore like it is I feel like it's gonna be like Marvel's Ultimate Alliance not impressed huh yes not impressed and I don't think there's gonna be like a strong storyline like there's so much that you can do in Marvel you have so much money like come on uh, Insomniac Spider-Man was amazing, and I don't. It's not this Avengers game is not going to be up to par to that game. I just want to bring up a quick point. You said a strong storyline. How are you doing with Ghost of Tsushima? Hey, uh, it it's it's a it's a good game. It's a good game. If you put yourself into it and actually wanted to develop your uh, samurai, it's solid. As far as the storyline goes, it it's it's okay. It's not Last of Us storyline. It's it's decent. I find more enjoyment with slicing people up and doing side missions and quests to unlock unbil- uh, abilities for my character so I can approach different enemies in different ways. Like, I just unlocked three out of the four stances, and that's where I get enjoyment at. The, the customization and the character growth. And those elements is what's making the game overall well to me. I don't think the storyline... Because it's so open world that you can get lost doing side missions and not really know what the main mission is anymore you feel me uh so and i've been doing a lot of side missions because i'm just liking the the character arcs and um just developing my character right now i mean i think the next great game coming out is i i'm sorry if i get off topic but it's it's clearly cyberpunk but like from what drill is stating you know uh me and my family relative have kind of discussed getting this but you know you, you know what Jarrell said you know m- makes me really think about it now I, I think since you're playing, have you been playing The Witcher? Uh, Witcher 3? Yeah, Witcher 3. Uh, I am kind of ashamed to say this, but I've been uh, just, you know, I've been trying to play my Red Dead copy that I bought two years ago. And because of school and work, uh, I've not been uh, been able to get to. So, yeah, I've been trying to finish that. So I am a little embarrassed. <laughs> you ain't got to be embarrassed about nothing, Brad. Dude, go ahead. Handle your business. Ain't nothing. To be embarrassed about about taking care of business, bro. Absolutely. I, I am I am playing Red Dead Red Dead Redemption Two. It is a great game, by the way. So, 
for those few folks that haven't played it, you know, uh, it's a good buy. It's fantastic. And I saw on actually on Xbox's Game Pass, it's free. So if you have Xbox Game Pass, you can play it. You can have a ton of fun. It's easily 30, 40 hours worth of content. And it's personally, I still haven't finished it because I've gotten to the point where the game is so vast and so long that I've just kind of tapered off a little bit. But that's just me. But speaking of Xbox and Game Pass, we were talking a few weeks ago about Xbox X Cloud, and there's actually a release date. It's September 15th for Android devices, but there's no word yet on an iOS launch. And, you know, some of the games that are going to be on there are pretty standard. You know, you have Destiny 2, Forza Horizon 4, Halo 5 Guardians. You have also Minecraft, Dungeons. You have Quantum Break, which is a pretty solid game. You have State of Decay 2. And you have a bunch of other selections if you don't like those. But it just, it's interesting because there are actually rumors that Xbox Live Gold was going away or getting renamed. Those rumors are false. And there are actually other rumors that Xbox Live Gold was going to be free moving forward because Windows 10 enabled games don't have to pay a subscription. And Microsoft has said that Halo Infinite has a free-to-play multiplayer setup. So if you're playing on an Xbox and you have Xbox Live Gold, you're ultimately in kind of a situation where you have to pay, but Windows doesn't. So, gee, I just want to ask you, if Xbox Live Gold was free, how would that affect you in any way? I would be saving $60 a year <laughs> on a subscription. That's Fair. how it affect me. But like in terms of playing games, would you be more invested in playing games or would you just use it for Hulu or Netflix or other things? I, I wouldn't say I would be more invested because I feel like, not like that, but when, when, when I'm... I have Xbox Live Gold in the Game Pass, and I, I I turn to those games when I'm bored. No offense, but I I do. That's that that's ultimately what I look at. So it's not like something I'm looking forward to versus a PlayStation, where it's like I'm pay- purchasing these exclusive games that I'm wanting to play for play play them. Uh, as far as like the Avengers game, um, I pre-ordered that for my Xbox because I've been uh, neglecting it. I'm still trying to figure out if I'm going to get Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk is for both platforms, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is first person, though, that which is one of your cruxes. Very much so. But, uh, you know, as you get older, you learn to enjoy things that you used to dislike. And I, I might have to try it. There's a lot of other aspects that I enjoy about the game. But, yeah. So... I mean, that's a cool aspect to have. I feel like I feel like if we're struggling to purchase video games and we're waiting for uh, like a certain video game to come out, that this is the perfect opportunity for people because you don't have to necessarily um, break bank to play some quality games. On top of that, a lot of the games on there, like you, you find like a couple of jewels out of the twenty or 50, twenty to fifty games that they offer, right? So, game Pass, yeah. They have over 100 games. Okay, so you find about 10 jewels out of the 100 games, in my opinion. Because I, I look over a lot of the games. Some of them are cool for, for a cool play, but as far as, like, investing a good hunk of my time, like, some of the games that they offer usually are, like, games I've already played or I've already purchased. But it's it's just willing to take that chance. Fair enough, fair enough. And we're, we'll leave off on this last bit, speaking of taking chances. 
So Daniel, you brought up the point of, you know, game playing games and whatnot. So if you have PlayStation Plus for the month of August, you can get Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 campaign remastered for free and Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout for free. And those are some personally Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is one of my favorite Call of Duty games. I know that Call of Duty 4 is still my personal favorite. And, you know, that's that's just some games if you guys are interested in it. And last thing here, go never, ahead. Never was a first-person shooter as a kid. I remember when I played uh, Call of Duty Black Ops, I used to get really mad when I ever, you know, did pretty poorly. So, but anyways, yeah, I just wanted to bring up that, yeah, I'm a terrible first-person shooter player. Just, you know, FYI. And that's actually a great segue because the newest Call of Duty is going to be announced soon. It's Typically, you would get an announcement around May, and you would see the game come out in October. But because of COVID and because of its far-reaching effects and how much of an asshole it is, nothing's happened, and everything's just thrown out of whack. So the newest Call of Duty game is going to be announced soon, and it's said to be another Black Ops game. So if you're into Black Ops, like you said, Daniel, this might be the game for you. Uh, personally, uh, I don't I don't give a shit. Uh, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not, into, I'm not into uh, FPSs with no story at all and, you know, just completely surrounded by multiplayer and, you know, and dealing with a, you know, a greedy, let's face it, a greedy motherfucking organization. So, uh, fair, fair. So, um, I'm not interested in playing another, another, uh, nauseating Michael Bay movie. So, <laughs> and like all nauseating Michael Bay movies, it's time to wrap this up. And, as always, make sure to follow us on at Podcast Bricks on Twitter and at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram for all the news on the Shooting Bricks Podcast. And with that, I'm Jerry Castillo. Uh, and I'm Daniel Huan. And if this is the if uh, if I were to get a hate mail for episode, it, it is this one. You're a wild man, Daniel. And it's your boy Rally Rail Gerell Sales. And we will see you next week. <laughs>